Wait! Their encyclopedia is back. They're waiting for a while. For a while there, but you know, all, all, all good things, you know, come to those who wait, right? They do. They do. And I'll tell you, it's just a an amazing time to be a nerd right now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a spectacular time. You know? <laughs> all nerds, please give it up for this day and time because, I mean, you may never get it again. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, for the next basically 10, 10 to 20 years, we're never more than a year and a half away from a new Star Wars movie. I want to put that out there as amazing. Spectacular. So every two years, you get the main Star um, Skywalker Mm. You know, um, um, storyline, and then um, every other year you get the well. In between those years, you get a extended storyline. Right. So, I mean, that's like super spectacular. I know. And as you, and as you guess, we're probably we're here, not probably, but we're here to talk about uh, Rogue One in the Nerdendum. Rogue and, One, Rogue One, <laughs> Rogue One. And I'm Sam. I'm Scott. All right. And this is Nerd Encyclopedia Nerdendum Edition Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah, buddy. So, um, Scott, I mean, when when they first announced this movie was coming out, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the whole uh, Star Wars, you know, um, tri- uh, trilogy, uh, kind of, well, not continuity, but outside of the whole main storyline, what did you think? Well, I think, like a lot of people, when they announced this, it was before Episode Seven had come out. So for me, I was a bit concerned that Disney was going to Disney up Star Wars and, um, you know, make it more family friendly than it was. Not that I think it was ever unfamily friendly. But I think that when you look at the tone between um, the original original trilogy and uh, the prequel trilogy, and we've discussed this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, blah, blah. Beat that horse. <laughs> We've gone through the, my feelings on the prequel trilogy. If you have not uh-huh. heard me talk about it before, please feel free to review our back catalog uh, for <laughs> for uh, our thoughts, thoughts are there. Yeah, and yeah. they are recorded. <laughs> they are quite serious. Um, but the tone, I think, uh, was a concern, right? I thought because Star Wars had taken more of a, a childish, uh, juvenile tone over right. uh, the course of the prequel trilogy and. You know, combining that with Disney didn't didn't seem like it was going to be right. You know, fixed. And you know, while we're going to get more into spoiler stuff here in a bit, uh, so this is the non-spoilery section. I would say that um, the, a lot of the doubts about Rogue One were based around it being um, one standalone and two yeah. kind of unnecessary, right? So people yes. thought, oh, it's a money grab. Right, right. <laughs> like, because there's not. Why are you doing a story outside of the Skywalker, you know, um, storyline? Right, and those people are saying we got to keep Star Wars pure, and I'm just like, this guy, this is <laughs> this is the thing most famous for for the toy like collectors. <laughs> like, this is not. This is commercialized yeah. from day one, right? It's not. Yeah. There's no. There's no purity to be had in the in the Star Wars, uh, uh, you know, secondary marketing universe. So, right. so. I think that when they said it was Rogue One and they kind of, you know, intimated what the story was going to be when they announced that, that's when I started getting really excited for it. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. was pretty, I was anticipating this was pretty good. Well, I mean, you brought up a real good point as far as Disney um, purchasing Lucasfilm about a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny thing. That's the same type of um, feeling that people got when they purchased Marvel right. a while back. You know, all of a sudden, Mickey Mouse is going to team up with Spider-Man, you know, uh, in his next film. And it was just going to 
Disneyfy everything and make Marvel just you know really tame by comparison to what it was before. Um, you know those fears are always bound with Disney because we know Disney's reputation. They've had it for you know seventy, eighty, you know some odd years. They've been around, right? Um, and and it's justified. Now, look looking at the fact of you got these stories, you got the main Skywalker you know storyline. Um, the it's still people out there thinking, why is this movie? Um, well, what is the purpose of this movie? Mm-hmm. You know, the so-called purists and everything, mm-hmm. and even some of the casual fans. Um, so you see Star Wars and you see the whole lore and everything, but you don't see any of the main, you know, characters that you know and love. Um, versus what we saw last year in the, you know, in the Force Awakens, right. and that's like, you know, when 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 Disney markets the movie, they're marketing as best as they can as far as a Rogue One. But everybody's still thinking Star Wars, Star right. Wars, Star Wars. So are we going to get, we see a little bit of Darth Vader, you know, in the uh, marketing materials and stuff. So mm-hmm. we're thinking, okay, we're about to get like, um, well, maybe the casual fan thinks we're about to get a full-fledged Star Wars stories. But the um, best thing I think about this is that you get a section, you get a small section of the whole overall story. It's as simple as um, the stealing of the Death Star plans mm-hmm. and make it into a whole and make it to a whole big story, you know, big movie. And it just opens up a whole bunch of possibilities in that universe. And I think everyone should appreciate that if you're a big Star Wars fan. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, uh, the tone of the story is something, like like I said, that I was excited about. Uh, I was excited about when they announced it was going to be this basic story, right? It's going to be set right. right before Episode Four, And it was going to be the, you know, the stealing of the Death Star plans in the first, you know, big battle. And right. there's not a way to tell that story, I don't think, tonally like a prequel movie, right? You have to right. tell that story. That's going to be... That's like got to be a separate story. Right. It's going to be a real, you know, s- story about the Death Star showing up and, you know, right. the Empire winning, but kind of. But you can right. see the seeds of their ultimate destruction being sown, you know? Right. Um. So you could you know that it's going to be a really awesome, you know, sort of more direct uh, military sort of science fiction, or really right. more of a military science fiction in a science fiction fantasy world, which yeah. is, because there's still space wizards, right? right. <laughs> there's still at little the end, space wizards, yeah. <laughs> but not as much. It's not right. a movie it's, about space wizards. <laughs> it's a lot more grounded than, you know, the other films and everything, but... It's just to me. It's just really nice that it takes place within the same universe. Right. It just says to me that you could tell as many stories as possible, kind of like how the books did, and like the all other extended mythology that they that they threw away when Lucasfilm <laughs> bought them. They just hop, <laughs> when, when they it in the, the trash. <laughs> what Disney bought? Yeah, they just put it in the trash. Okay, we'll we, we'll leave that alone. But he took some elements though. Right. But um, this it still opens back up. Like I said, the possibilities of telling many stories within that universe. Um, now. Because it's movies, you can only do so much in a two-hour film, mm-hmm. and every other year you can only tell so many stories. That's why you got like uh, the Star Wars Rebels on um, television, and you know other extended um, things that are actually related to the whole canon right. um, to tell different stories. You know, versus what you get with the uh, main um, Skywalker, you know, story and everything. So, to purists, um, I, I would say to purists out there, why would you not want to have more Star Wars stories? Forget the purity or whatever. That that'll always be there right. every other year. Um, let us or let people 
you know, who um just just like um exploring like the whole universe, you know, let us get different story. You know, just as long as we don't get another Ewok. <laughs> I, I think they could, I think there there was a rumor they were gonna make some more Ewok movies a while ago, but that was in that was in oh. the nineties. Uh oh. that was that was not not recent. Oh man. Yeah. Well, let's um so I guess I want to st- let's ditch the vagaries and let's okay let's jump into kind of a recap uh, talk about okay. you know how we thought about uh, the movie kind of maybe press down the plot a little bit so let's end okay. the spoiler free the main mostly spoiler free section right. and um, let's uh, dig into get it. into it so let's give them a, people a couple seconds to decide to turn off the podcast which is something we don't usually like to do uh, <laughs> usually we like to just we don't like to give Spoilers. you the option to turn it off right. Spoilers start now. So if you've um, haven't seen a movie, go see it. Come back, and we will dig into it now. All right, that's enough time, right? That, is like that would be time. enough time to reach over and <laughs> hit the pause pause button or that little button thing on your on your earbuds. Uh huh. I feel like that's enough time. Yeah, I think we got it. I think we got it. All right. So first things first. Here's what I really think. This movie was mm-hmm. awesome. First of all, really yes. awesome. And yes. And we're going to butt it down scene by scene, but the way I'm describing it to people, and ask me what I think about it, is it's basically a Star Wars version of the Dirty Dozen. Yes. I mean, it's a ragtag group of commandos infiltrating and destroying an installation, you know, and, and they, had, they had the guts, Sam, the guts mm-hmm. to kill everybody. <laughs> Not leave it vague. They killed Everybody. Every everyone, and 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 funny thing is, um, now that you mention that, they actually had a version of the story where that didn't happen. Imagine that. Oh. So the the original script, um, for you know as far as the ending goes, you know, said that they didn't believe that Disney would let them kill off all the characters. <laughs> um, so they 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 gave the script to Disney, and Disney was like, "Well, shouldn't they die?" And they were shocked. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, well, can we kill them? And then for the most part, you know, they, yeah, they, they, they ended up killing everybody. Then they say, okay, well, maybe we can have Jen and, um, what's the other guy? Um, Cassian. Um, yeah, Cassian um, be, um, be okay at the end and everything. They was like, nope, everybody <laughs> dies. Nah, because, because if you think about it, it makes logical sense because they're not in a new hope. Right. So why would you even go there? I mean, it, it just destroys any other references for the future film. I'm just trying to imagine a universe where George Lucas still owns this property, and it's like thinking about Oof. ways to graft, you know, Oof. graft all the characters into, you know, the rest of the uh, the rest of the movie. So he's like, oh, put a scene back in A New Hope where oh, you see him in the background, oh, you know, and man. insert them yeah. saying Rogue yeah. One, you yeah. know, with the. <laughs> <laughs> they do the call signs yeah. for the, tra- the attack on the Death Star and stuff. Sometimes you got to take the toy away from the creator, or else he'll. Mess <laughs> <it up. laughs> All right, so a few a few things. I I want to uh-huh. talk about um, the very beginning of the movie because this movie doesn't have a title crawl. You know, it doesn't have right. an, an expository explanation of what's going on. Right. It doesn't come up and say Star Wars real big and have the same right. fanfare or even the same score. There's very few. You know, the light motif that people talk about with uh, William's score, only a few of those bits pop up, right? Right. Just a little bit. A little bit when Bill Organa shows up. Obviously, Vader gets the Imperial March because it's, I mean, come on. He gets the Imperial March. And then right. um, when Leia shows up at the very end. But pretty much the rest is all original scoring, which is 
uh, it's the first Star Wars film, of course, that does that. Where it yeah, just no kind of John Williams just kind of does that. Uh, boom! Here no we John are. Williams right? score, right? Uh huh. Well, I mean, at least you had the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. At least they had that. You right. know. Um. So that 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 appeased. You know. I guess the Star Wars um, purists a bit. Uh, well, I guess the uh, the purists wanted a crawl, right? But that at least appeased some some sort of Star Wars um, fanfare and everything. Well, I like that so there's at least a, had that. I like that there's a differentiation. I don't have a problem with the fact that there's not a crawl. Right. I'm just pointing uh-huh. out that it puts you in a different a different frame of mind. So your expectations are different, and right. so when it immediately jumps, it should to, be. You know, uh, the uh, the Urso household, right? Right. On that uh-huh. planet, which you know. Having, having that dude, you know, the director show up with all his, uh, with his, like, you know, black clad stormtroopers. Imagine those guys are like the last remaining clones uh-huh. from the Clone Wars. You know, there's like not many, they keep dying off, so there's not many left. Uh, right. And they're, they just show up and they're talking like scrambled, uh, you know, they talk like scrambled walkie talkie talk, you know, which is, I thought was really cool. I, I felt like that right. whole scene where they, where he's walking up the, you know, the hillside and there's all the guys, you know what I mean? He's flanked by these, you know, elite. Clone troopers, right? Really, really neat. Now I don't know that those are actually clone troopers. That's just me saying that's what I think is the case. Um, so Galen Osho, which this is explained later, is a uh, weapons scientist that works for the Empire, and he didn't like what Uh the Empire was going to do, so he Uh took off. He said, "You already have my work. I'm not going to help you build the Death Star anymore." Right. And and this must have been a couple years after. Episode three. So this was about what ten years before, before this movie. So this is a ten-year flashback. Okay. And he basically tells his uh, daughter to hide, and she watches them, you know, murder her mom, and then they kidnap the, uh, the father. Right. And then she goes and hides, and then, uh, you know, Forrest Whitaker shows up to rescue her. Which. Well, but, but before that, how nice was the scene? I, I just want to talk aesthetically how huh. good the um the 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 framing and like the cinematography looked, uh you know f- in that in that whole scene when um when they were coming after Galen. It was a real Kubrick esque, you know, bilateral yes. symmetry sort of yes uh, shot composition. So, yeah, something that you really didn't see in a Star Wars movie, even mm-hmm. with the J.J. Abrams stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really didn't see that type of. Um, you know that type of cinematography in 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 a Star Wars movie. So I mean, I was really amped about that. So, yeah, Star Wars movies are a lot more kinetic usually than you have a lot uh-huh. more wide shots in Rogue One. Um, right. it seemed like you know there was a lot less. Uh, I've heard them. I've heard this referred to as more remote, like detached uh-huh. cinematography. But I really, I really liked it a lot because it did have right. a different, a completely different aesthetic feel. And uh-huh. if you're, let's say you watch a lot less color, right? Right. It was a lot grittier, right? Even than the movies that were shot in, like the movie that was shot in '76 <laughs> for like 25 bucks, right? It was, it was <laughs> a lot more clean than this one. Right? <laughs> we spent a little, our dirt budget was pretty high on Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> to dirty it up a little, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, the dirt, the dirty up and everything. Right. But so, yeah, so um, yeah, like you said, Forrest Whitaker came and saved her, right? Or came and got her. So, so Whitaker saves her, and then it kind of cuts to this. Uh, <coughs> she's in prison, right? The daughter's in prison. Uh-huh. Her daughter's name is Jenner, so played by Felicity Jones, which is the second in a row badass Star Wars heroine. Which, in a row. In a row, and really awesome character. Really well played. I nothing. I really think that they're going to regret having killed her off. <laughs> I think that's like the one thing about that they'll, you know what I mean? 
they'll regret that. I think. I, I or or maybe they won't. I don't know. But I think that she was good. And she she was awesome. But I mean, I get. I guess when you talk about movies and the beginnings and endings, and I guess the complaints with the Marvel movies is that nothing ever. There, there's no stakes. Mm-hmm. So this movie actually had stakes, and you could say, okay, there's a beginning story. I mean, there's a beginning, middle, and end to this. This this female's journey. As much as we liked her, you know, as much as we want to see her, and maybe they can position other stories with her before she died. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I really don't see it. Um, I guess to me, I, I was glad, like like we said in the beginning, that you know she ended up, um, they ended up dying in it. I think it was right for the story, but it's still it like, was right for the story. Yeah, it's still like <clears throat> I think they're really gonna wish that they had this this character to push forward. You know. I really yeah. think they're gonna wish that, and that's just a that's just <laughs> maybe that's just me. I don't think it really matters honestly because they're they're gonna they're gonna do these standalone movies. I think so. You'll get yeah, they a lot can always more, find some way. It's Star Wars, right? You'll get a lot more story fidelity, I think. But but so mm-hmm. so then we're introduced to Cassian, who right. is a, a rebel intelligence officer, and he's meeting with a contact who tells tells him about the Death Star. Uh huh. Says, "Oh, hey, this is some bad news." And don't, then the guy forget about his droid, right? And his droid, his droid, played by Alan Tudyk, KSO, K two S O, is uh-huh. probably maybe the highlight of the movie for me. I like yeah, the yeah, lot, sarcastic and smarmy, super sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that wasn't? Did you know that wasn't me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was awesome. So you know what's great, and this is this is. When we talk about the tone, right? So, so Cassian's contact sort of flips out, right? He's like afraid. He thinks the Empire is, you know, they're coming down here. They're going to catch us. Are you crazy? And Cassian just shoots him. <laughs> just like, well, we can't have you betraying the whole operation, right? So uh-huh. he shoots him, and just and it's just uh, so interesting to see that sort of pragmatism, right? right. Uh, from from uh, Rebel Intelligence uh, Officer. So that's something that uh, I thought was really nifty. I liked it a lot. Uh, just that it immediately said, you know, tonally, this is not going to be, you know, this is not a movie you should take your kids to, probably. Like, you know, we need to be tended up, I think, really. The, well, the government says stop, 13. That didn't stop for little little kids with my showing. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. That did not stop them. We did not come here to criticize anybody's parenting. Not not at all. <laughs> no, no. Not but you're a bad parent if you took your kids to see it. So... So that's really neat, and then um, then we find out what Forrest Whitaker, what Saul Guerra, what he's become, which is sort of, you know, uh, I don't know why, I don't know why this is, but like every every character that's been through some stuff in Star Wars has a prosthetic limb, right? Right. Like that's how you know you've seen some stuff, and he's got prosthetic legs. He's got like Forrest Gump magic legs. Right. Uh, and then uh, so. Then the Empire decides to yeah. blow up the uh, the Jedi Temple on <laughs> Jeddah, uh, and they just waste the whole city, and they take out uh, they take out uh, uh, you know they totally take out the whole planet pretty much. It's like yeah, a, that was that was kind of badass. It's like a hundred megaton nuclear bomb. It's crazy. It's like yeah, scary crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it re- this really shows well the effects nowadays. Right. Really so to the point where it really shows you how um, the effect of the Death Star is. So that was that was just crazy to see. Right, and I think that that was an immediate necessary for urgency's sake. 
So that, um, like you were saying about the stakes, right? It immediately right. confirmed, even for someone, like, let's say you never saw a Star Wars movie before, which, I, you know, right. I, I guess it's possible. Because I'll, I'll at the end say that I would say that if you know someone who is over the age of 10 and they've never uh-huh. seen Star Wars, this would be the one you want to start with. You know, right. This would be the first one to start. Because uh, it's good introduction. It kind of jumps in and kind of explains everything. But when they show what the Death Star can do and the guy's kind of like, you know, Tarkin goes, ah, just use one. I just use one uh-huh. thing. <laughs> I just use a little bit, right? <laughs> it blows up everything. Um, everything. So also, uh, let's talk about uh, Tarkin, right? Oh, boy. So uh, A point of contention with some fans, but I, let's go ahead. I think it was very hit and miss because there were some, I mean, there were some spots where it looked really, really, really good, right? Right. Like really good. And then there were other shots where he was talking where it didn't. Like, it feels like they're close on that, you know, but they're not quite there. Okay, here, here, here's my um. If if you know, then you see, as far as like the um, like the CGI, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, faults or flaws or whatever. Maybe it's like too slightly perfect and everything. But if you're that casual fan that you were just talking about, right. that are just coming into it, you don't know any difference. You don't notice any difference as far as that. <laughs> I so th- I think you'd watch this movie, then watch episode four, and be like, man, the CGI they did in episode four was much better than <laughs> <laughs> Rogue One. <laughs> they did a way better job. Much better. Right, right, right. But yeah, like you said, it's best they start off with this. Right. But yeah. Um, Tarkin, yeah, he meets Krannick well, you know, on the Death Star and um, you know, talks about the expresses what he uh skepticism on the project. Right. Man. Now I'm kind of you know, I'll say this, I, I don't know what I feel about them not recasting Tarkin. So, because he played a pretty big part in that, like a much bigger part than you would expect for you know uh, what I mean, a CGI stopgap. Like, right. like they CGI had CGI Leia right later on, and yeah, and that, that was, was just for two seconds. It was two seconds, but that's what you expect to see a CGI stopgap. But right, you know, Tarkin had like scenes and lines. Like he yeah. was, uh huh, he was all up in them. <laughs> he was all yeah, over he, it. He was he a was important there, plot driver, you know? you know. Yeah, like I said, a point of contention with a lot of fans. I mean, I would say seven out of ten on the CGI for Tarkin, and and I don't think it'll hold up going forward because I think they'll be better. I think it'll get better. Um, yeah, maybe Lucas will get control of it again and, you know, tidy up. Let me stop. Like, what if we anyway. change the ending? So that <laughs> stop it. Let's not go there. Let's okay. say let's, let's say this Imperial track. base is on a planet full of mer people, and the mer people <laughs> come and fight with the rebels. It's like, George, didn't we give you a Rubik's Cube? Oh, you, d- you gave me a Rubik's Cube, yes. All right. All right, and then um, it, it, that that's and that's where we see Vader, right? Uh, yeah, right after that, he sends uh, he sends the director uh, to go see Darth Vader, and I've got confirmation that that uh, Vader's house, uh-huh. uh huh, <laughs> which Vader's, which I think should be a flow Vader's ride. house feels like it should be a flow ride song, right? Uh, Vader's house, yeah. Well, welcome to Darth's house. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And then, I can hear the I can hear the rhymes and everything with that one. Oh, so man. so it's on that's on Mustafar, which right. is where he got turned into Vader, right? That's where he got Vader because he tried to jump over a dude holding a magic sword that can cut through anything. And Vader is now a verb, right? Vadered. That's when you get like half your body cut <laughs> up. Uh, and they show him in the back to tank a little bit there, right? Right. Uh-huh. Which is a healing tank they use to you know must feel good, right? And you would imagine that that 
he probably is never happy when someone comes and tells him like, oh, we got that magic, you know, we got you in this healing tank. It makes all your pain go away and stuff. Uh huh. And now we want you to get out of there <laughs> and deal with some random moron that's here to ask you a question. Exactly. He right, already knows right, the right. answer to. So you can imagine that Vader's are probably already in a pretty pissed off mood <laughs> when uh-huh. you when you like start talking to him. I mean, he's just automatically pissed off. He's already that's angry. just who Darth is, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad. I hope they have James Earl Jones recording like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of lines of dialogue right now, and they just like they just send him a check whenever the movie comes out, you know. Every time you hear James Earl do Vader, whether it's in uh, uh you know the prequels or this movie or the start, you know. The, cartoons mm. it's just a it's just a it brings a little shiver because it that's that connective tissue mm. that you need throughout the whole thing because any other actor that's trying to do vader it's just it's just not happening james earl is the one it's it's so his voice is so unique and the timber is so unique that there's not a way that i don't think you could recast them they're gonna have to do that that photo that voice photoshop a voice photo. That's what they're gonna have to do to get him to, you know, to talk. That's why I bet they have him reading like just a dictionary in the Vader voice. Right, so right, right, it. right. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Yep. So I mean, when they needed to, you know, bring him back or what have you, I can you see them bringing Vader, I, 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 Vader back in any different um, movie stories? In, a, in, I, in I, the I, actual, I, in the actual series, or do you mean on one of these? No, no, not not the actual series, but I, I kind of think that. After this, I think you should just put Vader to rest. I mean, um, I could see that, but the deal is that there's so much time, right? Yeah. And he's such uh-huh. an important actor during that time. Like, he's such an important right. part of the Imperial um, regime where he's basically, uh-huh. if you mess up, that's who shows up, right? Right. He's like right. the he's like a, like a troubleshooting consultant. You call him in. It's like, oh, we need this Death Star done faster. And Vader's like, I'll show up. I'll show him. Everyone well, finds I, out I Vader's I'm, coming and they start. They start right, right, later. right. I guess I'm just having trouble seeing him in a, in a Han Solo movie. Oh. You know? um, possibly in a Boba Fett movie, you know, because they're planning on doing that as well. But right. um, I don't know how many other movies you can just insert Vader in there just to say, okay, Vader. It's, it's, it's one of the, um, you know, contentions with that is even, even though he showed up, is that do you necessarily need Vader in the film? You know? Um, you do need him because, um, you know, at the end, that ending, which is awesome. Oh, man. But, How about that? <laughs> but um, is that a point of just fan service or is it a point of, um, you know, Disney saying, okay, we need to have some type of familiarity, you know, to connect the actual, you know, story and everything. So insert Vader in there. Put him in there. Right. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I just think that um, – Maybe you you sh- you should you you I don't know how many more Vader stories you can tell in a movie universe when you're only doing like you know one every year. Right. You know I mean? Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's just so there's about that twenty years. I mean, there's there's other stories you could fill in. I guess it depends on what their um, you know, what their uh, priorities are. And if we're right. getting a Boba Fett movie and we're getting a, uh, a Han Solo movie, that's going to be more into the kind of underbelly-ish. Right. Uh-huh. Like, on uh, illegitimate side of Star Wars universe, you know. Um, right. Vader doesn't like live the there because he's a, he's a, he lives in, like if they did a Jedi Hunter or right. um, maybe they talked about the, 
uh, rivalry between Vader and other people trying to, you know what I mean? Right. And Vader and Tarkin right. trying to, you know, vie for the Emperor's, uh, you know, right. favor. Then you could definitely see, you know, I could see him coming back. But I think you're right. It, it felt organic for him to be in this one because yeah. he was already on the trail of those plans, right? He was already right. on the trail, which, you know, it kind of makes you feel like, <laughs> for me, it, the, this movie really changed my perception on the beginning of uh-huh. episode four, right? Because uh-huh. the there's always this, you know, there was always this uh, sort of, you know, idea that they just randomly went after Princess Leia's ship, right? Right. But Vader kind of watched this ship pull away. <laughs> like, he knows the plans are on there, right? So when she lies to him and he just has no time for it, <laughs> right. like, it makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> well, I tell you one thing, that this movie set um, episode four up nicely because mm-hmm. I watched it right after... Um, you know, when we I text you that, you know, not after I um you know, seen it and everything. Right, right. And you told me it was available on demand, I you know, immediately put it on. You know and it fits so snugly, like as if it was just a continuation of the um you know, the ending and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, Wow, okay, they, they put that they fit that in really nice. And a lot of the rebel fleet is the same. Uh huh. So yep. all the all the fighter pilots that are in, you know, uh episode four are also in uh Rogue One. So like you know, red one and gold leader, uh, red five. Which I guess they they did a throwaway explanation of why Luke's red five instead of red like twelve, right? Because yeah, five's yeah. open. <laughs> right. So, you know, uh, I, I you're right. I feel like a, a, as a companion piece to Episode Four, this is a a perfect companion piece because it's yeah, it did it did seem so random. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just um, it made up for. Not a lot, but like it, it fitted really smoothly with um, going into if you if you watch this and then watch episode four, right? I mean, right behind it, you're you're like right in the story right there. Mm-hmm. Probably you're not going to stop watching, you know, any any of the um, uh, rest of the Star Wars movies, <laughs> like binge watch the uh, rest of the series. Right, right. This is such a great catalyst because it explains why <coughs> explains why uh, all the other stuff is so important because right. that's that scene where they blow up the planet, right? Uh-huh. And you see the Death Star at its full full force. I, I mean, that's not right. That's not in the first five minutes of the next movie, right? So no. watching what the Death Star is before you see it in action is just sort of I yeah, mean, it I gives you really a lot crazy. of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then that thing is hyperspace capable. That's always been something that to me is just crazy, crazy. <laughs> you know, hey. hyperspace capable. That's nuts. <clears throat> yeah, that is that is crazy. Did we mention that Galen um had um. Had, had put a self fail safe thing into the um the Death Star. No, we've not gone into detail on that. But yeah, I mean, okay. So the reason that such a, an obvious design flaw exists, so that you can blow up the Death Star by you know just shooting these torpedoes down this one little hole, the reason that exists is because Galen put it there, which covers up a plot hole that I've seen humorously, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, humorously yes. lampoon many times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did that definitely so yeah in, in 20 25 years into the future everything could, could be complete you don't have to worry about that big giant plot hole <laughs> george <laughs> right so that's that's a funny letter have you ever read that letter it's a fake letter someone wrote as if they were like suggesting i've said many times that this is a design flaw that could endanger the whole operation and to cut costs i've been ignored repeatedly Man. <laughs> all right, all right. Where were we at? Well, we were talking about um, <clears throat> well, we were talking about how I think right before they got to uh, 
Yavin. Okay. So they go to Yavin 4, which is the site of the Rebel base, which uh-huh. is also the site of the Rebel base in A New Hope. Um, so there's they go there. It seems like there's a lot more uh, diversity in the Rebel <laughs> Alliance in Rogue One. They kind of... Hey. Uh, that it was a lot of diversity, and then you go to a new hope, right. and it's like, okay, hmm, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's like it's like going from, you know, it's like going from, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> 2016 to a Philip Morris board meeting in 1948. <laughs> You're like, oh, hey. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it is what it was, but it's it's just funny to how the stark um, comparisons are between the two. Right. When you go from that to um to the um to the anything after episode four right <laughs> those first ones are just uh-huh no i mean at least you had lando right 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 <laughs> yeah i guess you know that's the thing that this uh the last two movies have really done you know is maybe you know insinuating that there are you know non-white people in the star wars universe beyond two right right and there's a samuel jackson in every multiverse by the way that's not oh, yeah, that's absolutely. not really a thing for star wars samuel jackson and everything yeah, I mean it's a multi. He's in the Marvel. Um, <laughs> he's a Samuel Jackson and everything. In a, in a Disney multiverse, Samuel <laughs> Jackson exists everywhere. You know, he even showed up on a Mickey Mouse clubhouse too. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I said I'm a Jedi. <laughs> Sam, this is Sam. This is, uh, this is and I work for Shield. <laughs> I'm a Jedi working for Shield. <laughs> I'm a I said, trust your shield. feelings. <laughs> I'm a Jedi worker for Shield. I just oh, told you goodness. to trust your feelings, Chris Evans. Oh, that is that is way too hilarious, man. <laughs> huh. So Samuel Jackson doesn't show up in this movie, by the way. But you Thank get <laughs> Riz Ahmed and Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> uh, so, and of course the you know a couple Asian people, which is. Our first uh, Pride Bank in the Star Wars universe. That's good. Oh, the the the, the blind guy. Yes. He was awesome. Yes. What's his name? Chirrut. Chirrut, and he okay. is yeah. a guardian of the wills, which is ambiguous. It's ambiguous as to whether or not he is force sensitive, like a Jedi, uh-huh. um, and if this is a different sort of order of force sensitives, or if he's uh-huh. just <clears throat> like represents the um, the most in tune. With the Force, a non, you know what I mean, a less a normal or an average person could be doing it. Three years of study and meditation and prayer that he's kind of turned himself so that he can see, like, the um, the outline of the Force, right? right. Where the Jedi can see the whole picture. You know? Right. Like, that actually would be an interesting movie, The Guardian of the Wills. Right. You know, if they ever did something like that as a spinoff. Well, it would be interesting um, to see in other media what this temple looked like before it basically got right. destroyed. <laughs> right, yeah. Because yeah, did you yeah. see those, you know, those huge faces and the huge Jedi statues? And, you know, there's uh-huh. a lot of iconography there, so that's really interesting. It's interesting to see the Force and the Jedi Order as it's, uh, you know, uh, almost like the FBI arm of the uh, of the Force, right? Right, and that that was you know problematic, and that the Jedi were kind of co-opted into becoming an arm of the Republic, and that's really what undid them is that they had to follow orders instead of right. being able to follow the Force. But I think there's cool. there's a couple scenes where Chirrut I think uses the Force a couple times. He does because he's you know what I mean. Do, do, do you think that he uses a Force? Because I mean he was a real big believer of it, but it wasn't it wasn't really clear whether he had um, Jedi um you know Jedi abilities or whatever. I, I don't you think know? it's not like a Jedi, right? Because okay. like a Jedi can 
direct the force. You know, right. so the Jedi can do telekinesis and right. you know use the mind trick and make the force convince people to do things and can uh, you know use it for camouflage and stuff. But I think uh, that the, this this character, and I'm sure that they'll come out in two days and say that no, he's not force sensitive <laughs> and you're being dumb. But I think this <laughs> the Chariot, I think he's able to use the force passively, right? So he right. can see things, and I know that he's bl- you know blind and stuff. But okay. he can see things. I also want to say that his line when they put the bag over his head, <laughs> he goes, "Really? He's like, really? Really? <laughs> I'm blind." That was great. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Uh, yeah, the movie has some elements of humor in it too. Um, that um, that wasn't really expected, but I'm glad that they did. Um, you know, to keep you know to keep you into it. Well, the tune, yeah, the cure was awesome. That's again the tone, right? Such a yeah. difference between you know the jokes that you see in this movie in combination uh-huh. with, in, in comparison to what you saw in, you know like episode two or episode one. It's just uh-huh. or even a Force Awakens to a degree. Yeah, I mean because you had a, a lighter type of adventure type tone, mm-hmm. and, and you was talking about earlier about the music and everything with that John Williams you know tone and everything. It it, it sort of you know makes things a lot lighter and a lot more adventurous. Whereas this. Got into like a um and, and, and a composer on this was Michael Giacchino, Chino. Mm-hmm. Um, he did like um he was a, um well he was a composer on one of my favorite TV shows Lost. Right. <laughs> you like Lost and, a lot, um, you know that's your that that is thing. my thing, people. You guys know. It's your deal. And um and some other movies and everything, but it, it put a more of a gritty type of a feel to it, you know, mm-hmm. to to convey like the overall how the overall story is. Yeah, I mean, it was really, you know, the the tone was right, and that that's what I would say is that this is uh this is the type of tone that you expect out of a uh, uh-huh. a gritty Star Wars movie, a gritty reboot. I'm just surprised there weren't many pouches. Usually, if they do a re- gritty reboot, there's a bunch of pouches involved. Right. You know, like a Rob Lee, anything drawn by Rob Leefield, basically. <laughs> so yeah, um, Chira was awesome. I mean, the guy who was play- who was playing him, Donnie Yen, he was um you know great as as his um. You know, great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, What did you think of um, Galen, like Mads Mikkelsen? <clears throat> I thought Mads Mikkelsen was great, and I thought I liked his you know kind of minimal usage, and yeah. I thought he played the the uh, the he explained his reasoning real well. I liked how the, he said, uh, you know, they're gonna make this with with me or without me, and if I'm here, I can at least uh-huh. put in this back door access, uh-huh. which I thought was good. And I, I thought Mads Mikkelsen was good. In, was really good. He's he's good in everything though. That guy is yeah. He awesome. he was um he was in the Hannibal. I don't know if you've seen it, but he was in the Hannibal TV show mm-hmm. um, about a you know a couple years back. He was really good as Hannibal, and that you know one of the better. Well, I mean it was only about three different Hannibal Lecters, but he was um he was a real good Hannibal Lecter in that show. Um, another actor I liked was you know Riz Ahmed as you know Bodie Rook. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have had a lot more to do. I agree. You know, because he, he, he had a personality, and uh, I, I would have liked to see him, um, in, in, you know, do a whole lot more. He was actually in um, an HBO miniseries called The Night Of that came out just this past summer, which was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I wish that, you know, he had a lot more to do. <coughs> I, I, I agree, I, I, because I, I, he kind of just went crazy. 
Yeah. And then they didn't really stick with that. You know, he, he eventually uncrazied, right. and then uh-huh. he was fine, and they still weren't giving him things to do until they basically gave him that that video game task to turn on the, you know, turn on the transmitter, right? Yeah. And they gave him that well, to they, do. They, they, they gave him a moment. I mean, he right. came up with Rogue One. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's... like, Rogue One? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is no Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, they did that thing where they, <laughs> where they say the name of the title on the movie. Uh-huh, that's right. when you gotta. In most of the drinking games, that's when you gotta drain it. So you gotta do a whole shot when someone says the name of the movie. Right. So, yeah, I I, I felt that, and and you know that's that's one thing. If I was gonna criticize this movie at all, I would say that the whole thing felt like this was the plot to a video game that they turned into a movie. Because there were a lot of like <laughs> checkpoints and like get to here, do this, then get to here, right. do that. There was a lot of tasking, and there was a lot of like. Uh, like use the robot there was a lot, arms. There was a lot to, to do. Yeah, use the robot arms to grab onto the file. Uh-huh. You know, it's like different waypoints. <laughs> and then I could see there being cutscenes and stuff. So, mm. you know, I felt a lot like um, like Jedi Outcast maybe, which is a great game okay. on PC. That you should check out if you haven't. It. It's older, but it's really cool. It gives you force powers, okay. lets you cut stuff up, and you can put in a code to make the lightsaber combat realistic, which makes the uh-huh. game easier because you know lightsaber cut through anything. But basically, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But, uh, you can cut, like, the arms off and stuff. Uh, so that's what I would say. I mean, definitely, I definitely liked that particular aspect of it a little bit because it kept everything, you know, because the story branches out once they land on the um, Sharif or Shrif, wherever that right. it is. It kind of, you know, they all break up, and they never come back together, you know? Like, yeah, the storylines was- don't meet back up. It's just... Off to their own individual they, things. Yeah, they, they, they had to do what they had to do in order to, um, you know, get those plans and everything. Um, I kind of like how – I kind of like that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was separated, and it just it just sort of raised the stakes to where if they ended up having a happy ending to this, it, it would not have worked. Right. It would it would not – and not at least to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. So, I agree. It would have been – Yeah. False. <laughs> what a wrong false. All right. So, um, how about the roundtable discussion about um, the Death Star plans and everything uh, with Jimmy Smits and you know coming back and um, I, w- I was happy to see him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as as a connective tissue to the whole you know to the whole Star Wars thing. He was in the prequels. You know, not in a, anything episode or you know episode four afterwards. Right. But you know, to see that actor play that role, you know, reprise that role again. I always like you know actors reprising roles. I mean, because I like crossovers. So, <laughs> so to see him back was pretty decent. Well, what's really cool about that is that now, <clears throat> because if you view this as a companion piece to episode four, right, you view uh, this as a double a double feature, right? You did a Rogue One episode four double feature, which I'm guessing I'll be doing sometime in the new year. Uh, you can. What that also adds is that it adds immediacy to what happens to Alderaan too, because uh-huh. Jimmy Smith's a character. <laughs> Jimmy Smith, Bail Organa's a character that uh-huh. uh, you know. Uh, it's it, he's mentioned, but he's not really mentioned in Episode right. Four. And I mean, I guess if you saw the the, pre, the prequel trilogy, you'd see him, but to have him, you know what I mean, going directly to Alderaan, knowing and you know he knows about the Death Star too. Right. So when it pops out of hyperspace, right, like he knows what's up. He's like, oh shit. Yeah. He's like, oh man, this is gonna be a problem. <laughs> so it adds. A, I think it adds. A, what this is done for. I think it adds a lot of depth to episode four. Uh, 
and it really turns up the immediacy of the issues uh-huh. because you know it, it shows you that uh, you know when people say, "Well, the empire is evil and stuff," like it's not propaganda. Like <laughs> it's just not. It's, oh it's, yeah, that's just that's just a reality. Like it's legit. Know? And so, <laughs> and so the idea that you know there's been a lot of positing that like what Skywalker does, what Luke Skywalker does to the Death Star because there's a million crew. Right. You know, the Death Star's got a million people on it. Uh, right. That that's like, you know, a war crime, basically. There's <laughs> so many. But you can see that, that since it's been in use and been used re- repeatedly, like as soon as they got this thing up, they were just uh-huh. blowing up everything they could. You know, it really adds, I think, a bunch of urgency and immediacy. Plus, seeing what a Death Star explosion looks like from the front, right? you know, really is just... Uh, I mean, it's again another layer of depth for from, four from for a wide sure. a, a, a wide screen shot. It starts in the middle and then just makes it works itself back. Oh, it looks like a you know. I yeah. mean, it's whew, yeah, that's it's real scary. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like a, a like a nuclear like explosion just overtaking like a, a whole planet. I mean, that's that's just crazy what it could do, you know, to like a whole planet. Right. You know. And then you see what they do, <laughs> and then you see how like at its full power what it does to the planet, right? So think about like how low they have the setting to make that, right. you know what I mean, to make that explosion be the what it is. Because when they do full power on Alderaan, it doesn't take any time; it just goes whap, <laughs> it uh-huh. explodes right away. Uh, so it's a couple orders of magnitude bigger. Uh, well, it was just crazy to how that. Um, I mean, just because the uh, Vader didn't want the Death Star plans to get out, he felt he had to just eliminate the whole planet. I mean, just think how ruthless that is. Right. Right. That is just crazy, you know. But it ended up that the plans got um stolen, and you know, Leia ended up getting the plans anyway. So right. it was just like, wow, a whole planet got destroyed for that. So it, it, the stakes in this really were great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. And and, and uh, you know, I ask you a question: What did you think of the whole battle scene, the beach battle scene? Oh, I thought it was great. I really liked it a lot because I think that one of the things that uh, the combat in the in, in Star Wars until this was very sterile, you know? Uh-huh. It was very much a top-down, overviews-type situation because a lot of the action was taking place on fighter planes. And it was really uh-huh. great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's great dogfighting, of course, in Episode 4 and Episode uh, 6. But it's not the right. same thing as you get a land battle. So you get a land battle and it's on, like, like Hoth, for instance. And it's a shot from the standpoint of someone who's doing, you know, like support, like fly-ins. Like he's running, he's running ground support stories instead of from someone that's on the ground. So that's an angle that I don't think has been explored really, you know. And I think that the the battle scenes in episodes two and three were all right. I mean, you know, they're all right. Right. A lot of... It's way too CGI-ish, right? It's not practical enough, so it just kind of feels. Yeah, scary. I mean, it's it's a. I mean, at the time, you didn't have the, like those, you know, great special effects either. Mm-hmm. So. But this is basically a full-on, you know, top of the line Imperial military versus the rebels, right? Uh huh. So this isn't a a situation where, you know, it's not the Emperor's best troops, or it's uh-huh. you know the leftovers, or it's a bunch of Ewoks fighting. So, <laughs> so it's it's really nifty as far as that goes, and really sort of shows a different angle on. Um, it really shows a different angle on how everything works. 
Well, just the fact of, you know, it was on a beach. Right. You know, right. Um, I mean, it's not too many beach battles other than, like, you know, maybe the, um, uh, what, the Saving Private Ryan and, um, you know, other other war movies. It really showed the stakes of where, of, of, of how war is. It could take, it could take place any place, you know, not necessarily a desert, you know, or um, in space or whatever. It actually chose a beach to film, you know, you know, the whole thing. And it made the whole war scene look spectacular. I would say it's probably the best, you know, um, the best war scene in a Star Wars movie, mm -hmm. at least to me. I agree. I would say that that's right up there. The with, back half of that movie was great. <laughs> I, I think as soon as they got to, um, I think after that, Mads Mik after uh, Mads Mikkelsen was killed, that's when it really picked up. Yeah, you know, so there was no longer. It wasn't a rescue mission. It wasn't any of this other stuff. It was just like, well, we got to go get. You know, we have a, our MacGuffin, right? We have the thing we're gonna go do. You uh -huh. know, they were able to just go do it. So from that point on, I thought it was just an awesome, awesome yeah. movie. Yeah. And and it just went from one awesome thing to the next awesome thing, right? And then you're yeah, like, oh well, I guess you know, I guess they got the. Are they getting Death Star plans out or not? And then you just see the light. You know, the lightsaber just turn on. It's like, yeah. whoa. whoa. Yeah. You, did you catch that one reference about the T, was it the T-15s being discontinued and right. the T-16s coming out? Right, right, right. That, that was a little, a little Easter egg that just had me laughing and everything. <laughs> and then going to see the, um, you know, the um, episode four movie after that. That was just funny. Right, right. I liked it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, um, wrapping this up. Right. The ending scene with, um, well, first of all, the 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 um, with Jen and uh, what what did you think of Cassian? I like that. I thought he was he. I thought he was just okay, um, but I didn't like how they almost tried to make that a um, a romantic thing with between him and Jen. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it really worked, but uh, yeah, he was just okay. Yeah, I, I like Cassian actually more than that. <clears throat> I like. Oh really? Yeah, I liked him a okay. lot. Thought he was a good scoundrel type. <laughs> yeah, uh, real like that guy. I wish that you know he said, "Oh, I've seen some stuff. I've been in this since I was six. Uh -huh. I was waiting for them to explain more about that." But you know, <laughs> maybe in the director's cut, or maybe in the uh, you know, see, I could see them making a Cassian movie more than I could see them making a Jin Urso. Does that make sense? I just feel like there's uh -huh. more. There's more to Cassian. Like as far as the history, right? Then and he'll you know he's going on missions. He's already done some crazy stuff with the Empire because he's got you know the droid, right? So you know right. he's already had at least one crazy uh, adventure. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean they could tell extended stories with him and everything. So, but um, I don't know. I mean he he was just okay to me. I, I didn't think that um that um I I I liked I liked the fact that you know they had him stuck in the end you know with with Jen trying to um you know, get the plans and everything. And I didn't expect him to be alive after he dropped, um, you know, down that shaft right. and ended up saving Jen, right. you know, in, in there. Um, so that's sort of that, that, that little part, it, it, it's a nitpick, but it sort of disappointed me because I just wanted this movie to have that much stakes where it was just Jen at the end, just sacrificing herself to, um, you know, make sure that those plans got up in the, um, Got up in the air. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I guess it sort of pays off because you had the end scene where there was them two on a beach and you had the Death Star doing its 
its ultimate thing. And, and I thought that scene was awesome. Just you know, just prove it. Okay, well, this is this is it for them. Right. This is you know they sacrificed themselves to um you know get these plans up there, and you know because they believe that much in you know the um you know the fighting and everything to 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 make it happen. Everything just putting their lives on the line. Um, and you really don't have that. I guess you had that in the other movies and everything, but not to this, you know, degree. You you've only you've only heard exposition and you know spoken parts about it in other movies, but to this magnitude, is it was it was pretty decent to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And <clears throat> that's about all I have to say about that. Uh, yep. For now. Yep. Oh, and um, one last thing with the um, um, Darth Vader coming at the end, just. Oh. Like, uh, just just wiping cats out. I was just like, oh man, that was just that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It was awesome. The favorite scene. In the like movie. you can just tell yeah. why. Like now you can tell why everyone's afraid of him. Like he's like, yeah. we gotta go yeah. talk to Vader, and the guy's like, no, <laughs> like, I'm not going to go talk to Vader. Right, right, right. <laughs> he is a, just a straight total badass and everything. But yeah, that's that's Rogue One, people. Um, it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And I hope they tell more stories outside of the, um, you know, the, um, the, 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 the main canon and everything. Right. Um, and it just opened to me. It opened up a lot of possibilities as far as the type of stories that they could tell. They could tell mature stories. Mm-hmm. They could tell you regular, um, you know, St- Skywalker stories, which they'll continue to do every other year. Sure. But taking chances like this, I hope Disney realizes that if you put Star Wars on it. It's going to sell. So let the creators, you know, um, do what they need to do as far as telling the story. Right. You know, give them the freedom like you did with Rogue One, you know, in telling other Star Wars stories. And don't try to pigeonhole them into telling a certain type of, you know, Star Wars story. Yeah, I definitely think that it's making me more excited for the other standalones. So definitely for the Han Solo one, I'm I'm super amped about that one now. And, um, you know, the Bubba Fett one will be good if they're doing that. Uh, I, I think it's it's definitely, you know, seeing what they're going to do with these sort of standalone tales is, is exciting. Because uh, yeah. I don't know that we've seen anything like that, right? Like, it's, no. it's super, super interesting. The closest I can get is, like, these are going to be like the like a different Marvel movie, like you were saying. So it's almost like they're giving these a Captain America treatment, you know, where it's kind of like okay. off to the side just a little bit, right? <laughs> it's not right. necessarily right in the – but then the, you know – like uh, Captain America three was the big next, you know, like it was a main movie because they had the main characters. So. Well, well, the the difference between this is you got the main story, then you got like the outside standalones. Whereas Marvel, um, I think that's a continuing story. Well, as far as right now, it's a continuing story up until the Infinity War comes up, right? Comes along, right? So you basically you know telling the different elements of that. So that's that's a bit of a difference, but. Like I said, the way that they're trying, or at least what it looks like to me they're attempting to do, I think is awesome. Yeah, it feels like it's ambitious, and it feels like there's things inserted that are not designed only to sell toys, which yes, was yes, very yes, good. Yes, 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 yeah. Although I do want All one right. of those big, I want the droid. I want that guy. You want the... <laughs> yeah, I do want that. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, so we'll see you guys on our next um, um, Nerd Cyclopedia. Yeah. And um, you could catch us at Nerd Cyclopedia, or you could you know leave feedback for us at Nerd Cyclopedia um, Podcast at Gmail. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, yep. you know at Nerd Cyclopedia. Yep. Um, what are our other handles? Um, you can get at me at Steel City Hitch on Twitter. 
or at uh, on twitch.tv slash schitch. I run retro video games. I'm running uh, Zippos Mega Man 2 right now. I just cracked the top 45, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, um, NerdCyclopedia.com. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're going to make 2017 a real good year for NerdCyclopedia people. So um, if you like what you hear, come on back. And we shall see you when we see you. Absolutely. Take us. Absolutely. And uh, remember to leave us a review. It can be any number of stars that you want, but under five stars, and we do reserve the right to give you the business. <laughs> All right. Take us out, crazy man. Thank you, crazy man. Yeah. <laughs>